Emma, oh, what you think? There, is it there? There you go. Good morning. I want to welcome y'all to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Cade. I'm the minister here, and we're so glad that you're here. If you are a visitor today, we're so grateful for you uh, trying us out. The critical things that you need to know is that um, Katie over here is our children's director. If your child would go uh, somewhere, uh, restrooms are here and donuts are in the back and coffee as well. So um, very grateful that you're here. We also have welcome packets for you uh, that have information about our church that we can share um, with you. So I told you I would give you good news uh, of the week each week, and it may be um, from last week. It may be the week coming up um, all over the place. Um, but before I do that, I want to tell you that if anyone has prayer concerns that they'd like to be shared with the congregation, please raise your hand now, and the ushers will bring you a card that you can fill out. The ushers will collect them from you in the next five or ten minutes, and uh, people will be praying for you uh, throughout the week for that. Let me give you a sense of what we're going to do um, with pastoral care, because I know that's important um, to y'all. Um, We've got an amazing group of retired ministers here um, who, do, who like to participate in pastoral care. Um, primarily participating in pastoral care is uh, Reverend John Rush. I don't know if y'all have ever heard of him. Y'all ever heard of John Rush? <laughs> yeah, of course you've heard of John Rush. He's a big deal here. Um, he loves to go visit people. And so John and I are going to talk every Monday morning to see um, who he's going to visit and who he feels I should go visit. Um, Beth is keeping a list of people that call in and request some sort of visit, and we're keeping a very detailed list of um, who and why we will um, uh, need to visit those people. We also have a prayer group on Tuesdays, faithful group that prays uh, uh, for both for prayers, both written, said, and unsaid. Um, and so that group will be praying for you as well. And I'll also communicate with that group as to who we should be visiting. So if you have a pastoral care event and we miss you, it's because something um, uh, misfired somewhere along the way that we need to fix. So make sure and let us know uh, that, that, um, that you need us because we want to be there for you. Um, so our good news for the week, if you look in your, um, I don't know how many, how many, what portion of you pick up your bulletin, if you look at um, other news in the bottom, Saukahatchee at Memorial, um, thank you for the gifts of food, beverages, and funds that allowed us to feed approximately 80 workers last week. These, these workers provided much-needed repairs to four homes in the community, and Memorial played a large part in those homes' transformations. These are not, um, let's have a little snack, eaters. These are, these are eaters. These are serious eaters who are seriously hungry, and uh, we fed them all week long uh, uh, thanks to uh, Cindy's leadership and uh, the, the group that she had gathered around her and the churches that are around us who gave that food uh, throughout this, this week. So that's the good news for the week. I'm going to call on Katie to tell you about uh, Family Ministries event as well. Mm -hmm. And I'm the Director of Children and Family Ministries here at Memorial. And I wanted to make sure you knew about one of our favorite events in our family ministries, which is our annual ice cream social. It is quickly approaching. It's going to be on Sunday, August the 9th. But the important change you need to know is that instead of being here at the church, it's going to be out at Lake Robinson. We typically have a lake day, and we postponed that this year um, so that we could have lunch on the lawn here at our church a few weeks ago. So the ice cream social has been moved to the lake. 
So I hope you'll plan to join us at 5 o'clock on Sunday, August the 9th, and you're asked to bring your favorite homemade ice cream or a dessert to share. Thank you. Um, we will be having communion um, next Sunday morning, and we'll be having communion. Thank you, Kevin. And uh, both worship services every first Sunday morning um, uh, going forth from here. Um, I believe that's it. Let's start our worship service. Will you stand and sing with us? Gracious God, we do offer you our love and our life, and we come here before you this morning grateful to have this church family that's able to come together to be here to worship your name. We ask that you would fix our hearts and our minds on you as we prepare to worship together. In Christ's precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Joy, all the earth rejoice. 
He wraps himself in light. Darkness tries to hide, trembles at his voice, trembles at his voice. How great is our God, sing with me, how great is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our God. to invite the children to come forward for the children's sermon and if you would turn and greet your neighbor Good morning. How is everybody? Good. So we're still talking about the book of Jonah. 
during our church services this month. Do y'all remember that we've been talking about that? And one word that I noticed when I looked at Jonah chapter 4, which is what we're talking about today, is anger. And we've talked about that or heard that a little bit in the book of Jonah. What is anger? What does it mean to be angry? You're mad? You're upset about something? How does it make you feel? Yeah, it makes you feel sad, right? It kind of gets you all upset. Does that sound right to you, Hattie? No? Okay. Well, let's talk about it a little bit more and see if we can all get on the same page. So this, something that I read compared anger to a volcano. So if a volcano is erupting, what's happening? It gets really hot, it gets really upset, and then... That's right, it erupts, it explodes. So... Okay, I think when it's active, something is happening, right? Yeah, okay. So sometimes it says that we can be a little bit like a volcano. Sometimes we get angry at something that happened to us or what someone did to us, and we can blow up a little bit like a volcano does. And when we do that, nothing actually blows up, but what do we do when we're angry? What does anger cause us maybe to do to someone that we love? Maybe say something we shouldn't or act in a way that we know isn't right just because in the moment we're angry. And so afterwards, when we've done that thing, whether it's saying something or doing something, we don't feel good about it. It makes us feel bad after it's happened. But after it's happened, we can't take it back. Now, of course, we can say we're sorry to the person that we hurt or screamed at. And even if they forgive us, which I'm sure most times they usually do, that action that we've done has still happened, and it's still there, and it can still hurt them. So that's why it's so important to try to control how we feel, especially when we're angry. So it's something that we're going to feel, and we can't help but have in some situations. But we can help and change how we act or react and not do it in so much anger. Sometimes people say that you can count to 10 and walk away, or like we talked about with Jonah when he got put in the belly of the whale, it was kind of like a timeout, right? So he took himself out of the situation, or he was taken out of the situation. And that's good advice. The Bible also tells us that we shouldn't let the sun go down when we're angry. Have you heard that before? Yeah. So maybe we need to talk with the friend that made us angry, or maybe we need to trust that our mom really does know what's best for us and do what she asks instead of getting angry. There's lots of different examples about that. And we can always count on and trust in God to help us deal with our anger. I think we're going to talk about a word this morning that's called grace. Have you heard of that word? Yeah. Do you know what that word means? When we're thinking about it in the Christian definition, it says that we have free and unmerited favor of God. We have salvation from our sins. So even though we mess up, God saves us and forgives us anyways. And we have the bestowal of blessings, which means that no matter what we do or how we act or react, God is going to give us blessings anyways when we ask him for forgiveness and we apologize for what we've done. So I want you to think about that when we hear more about Jonah today and when we may are t tempted to react in anger to certain situations, okay? Will you repeat our morning prayer after me? Dear God, thank you for always being there for us. 
so that we can control our anger. We are so thankful for your grace. Amen. Let us pray together. As we go to the Lord in prayer, we are asked to pray for a member whose mother is healing quickly, but has healing left. For Ann Dobson, Peggy Smith, for Nell Griggs, for Shirley Minnick, who is having health issues after breaking her leg, and for the many prayers unsaid that reside in our hearts and minds. Lord, we pray to you because we know that you're listening and because we know that you care, that there are so many things in uh, our fragile bodies in this difficult world that you cannot stop. But like a loving parent bending down to a child in pain, you are present with us. Guide and strengthen the caregivers who are caring for those lifted up today. And open our hearts and minds to your scripture, to your proclamation, to your message for us this day. In your son's name we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So throughout the month of July, we've looked at a very simple, short book. that is uh, has the most powerful human emotions just action-packed in it. You know, sometimes you eat a cookie and all that big, but it's dense and it's got a lot of stuff in it. I mean, it's a serious cookie. This book um, doesn't take you long to read. You could read it this afternoon before lunch was ready. Um, but if you slowly pick it apart, as we've done, you can see real human emotions and the pursuing love of God. So um, chapter 1, God told Jonah to go save the people of Nineveh, and Nineveh said, uh, uh, Jonah said, no thanks, to enlighten people of Nineveh. In chapter 2, he was in the belly of the whale, and he prayed, God, you are so patient and just, and I love you so much. And he was spit out. In chapter 3, he goes to the people of Nineveh in a place that was supposed to take three days to get across, to get his message across. Instead, in one day, everyone listened. They responded. And they responded on the level that it got to the king. And in no way, shape, or form did kings respond this way. This king responded to the most reluctant prophet that I know of in the Bible. So what he went to do has been done. And now chapter 4 is how he feels about what has happened. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. 
that being the forgiveness of God. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. So first of all, I love the fact that it's an angry prayer. I want you to indulge me just for a second. I know speakers do this to you all the time, and you go, mm. I want you to close your eyes just for a second and think about these images. These are images of prayers that I do quite, um, quite frequently. So if you close your eyes, imagine this. A peaceful 6 a.m. prayer with a person who is having surgery and the loved ones surrounding them. Picture that. What that looks like, what that prayer sounds like. Now I want you to think about a simple prayer before an administrative meeting in the social hall. What that looks like and what that sounds like. A joyful gathering at a picnic under a shelter. What that looks like, that prayer before the meal, in the midst of the meal. What that prayer sounds like with all the periphery and the noise and everything around it. Think about a prayer at a beautiful wedding ceremony with the bride and the groom kneeling. And you are praying for them and for their new united family. And finally, the prayer of a painful funeral. What's that prayer look like? What does that prayer sound like? What does that prayer feel like? Okay, if you open your eyes, have you ever heard an angry prayer? Have you ever heard any of those be angry? Really not terribly often. But an angry prayer is an interesting model whether it be in a group or a family or whether you have something particular in mind, people very, very rarely pray angry prayers. In the, and it's interesting to ask why. Um, well, I guess I'm just not all that angry when I'm praying. Or I guess I just, it's not all that respectful for me to be angry in my prayer with God. Is it appropriate to be angry with God and express that anger in a format where you're supposed to be praying for God's will and God's mercy and God's love. Well, think about sharing that with uh, your dearest friend at a downtown lunch, that anger. Think about sharing um, your anger with a person in a car ride or um, when you get home and you share it with your spouse or um, when your children express their anger to you Think how helpful it is for someone to listen to your righteous anger. And maybe it's even helpful for them to listen to the anger that whatever is not righteous, what would that word be? Your uh, uh, misguided anger. It helps. So if it helps to express that to dear friends and loved ones and family, why would it not help to express that anger in prayer to God? It's an interesting question. It's, it's not something I consider very often. Um, when I'm the most angry in church life or dealing with church people, I rarely uh, spin that upwards. 
I usually turn it inward and absorb it all and then try to do something to get over it, that absorbing that anger. So it seemed very wrong to Jonah. What did? The forgiveness that was offered to the people of Nineveh. Now, why would that seem wrong to him? I don't know. His perspective. He's about as human as can be. So if uh, you hated another nation and that nation repented and God relented from any sort of anger or justice towards that nation, you wouldn't think that was right. There's basically two factors, whether it be an individual or a group or a church or a, a team, merciful, a college football team in the fall when they are forgiven some sort of punishment and they are not the team that you, were cho- that, that you like. Ugh. Whole system's useless. Those people should have been hammered. You think, um, that, so basically two factors. Um, the transgressions of that individual or group or team or church or whatever are too far to be forgiven. And my personal ones are um, not all that bad. I mean, that's the simple formula to get to a place where you are grumpy about someone else being forgiven. And that's where Jonah is. Now, I don't fault him for having an angry prayer towards God. I think that's actually helpful. I think it's therapeutic. What I fault him for is being angry over forgiveness. So he says, I knew you were gracious and forgiving, and that's why I didn't want to get out of bed. That's true. Which, um, you know, all kidding aside, imagine somebody desperately needs water and you got a hose, you know, like the one in your backyard. The water's endless, but you know that person's going to drink a whole lot of water and you just don't really like them in the first place. So you just pinch it just after you. You just pinch it. And you're not pinching it in a way that you hope that they'll look at it and then let it go, like your little brother. I mean, you are, you are pinching it for real and for all time. They don't deserve this thing that's free that I didn't earn myself either. They don't deserve what God is giving freely because even though I know God gives it freely, I feel like there is something you got to earn and I feel like they haven't done enough to earn it. And I feel like I have done enough to earn it. That's how you get in that place. Verse 3. Now, Lord, take away my life for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in the shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Not waiting to see if um, any more progress will happen or any more forgiveness will be given out. He wants to see if that place will just be flattened. And he's got the best seat possible to watch it happen, he's just rooting for it, that that city can be flattened. So him saying, um, I knew that you were gracious and forgiving, and that's why I didn't want to get out of bed, and I didn't want to do this in the first place, and you're forgiving them, so I'm going to go out on the edge of town, and I'm going to hope that you destroy it. I mean, the thing that immediately came to mind is seeing a child at a water park just losing their mind in anger. I'm talking about just losing their mind at the water park to the point that you just, you know, as a parent, you just look and go, oh, I'm so sorry to the parent. You're not even mad at them. Because you know, I mean, the child has got all the solid moves of just 
screaming, finding more oxygen, screaming, finding more oxygen, screaming, the limp deal, the um, running in a way towards some sort of pointy edge. Everything, that, everything possible. This is a five-tool player kid who can do, pull out every tool they've got to lose their mind. And if you, can, and you see the parent just trying to patiently just, um, I mean, we're sort of in a public place here, so I'm going to be real patient with you because <laughs> everybody's watching. And then you got the sibling who's way less patient than the parents are because you are costing me time in the wave pool as the waves are kicking in. And what are you losing your mind over? Snow cone. That's it. You're losing your mind over a snow cone, and it's 9, 10 in the morning. It's not time for snow cones, but you don't know that. What are you thinking? Very simple thoughts. There's a snow cone stand, and I'd like one now. And you lose your mind to the point that everybody in the whole place just sees it happen. I mean, it's funny, but it's tragic. Here's the thing you would love to say to the kid. If you understood what it took for me to take a week off from work, if you understood how much money it takes for me from the money that I earn at work to pay for this week, if you understood how tired I was after work when we drove up to the water park, and if you understood that your monkeying around on the bed over there as we were supposed to be falling asleep kept me up far later than I ever would be and got me up far earlier than I ever would be, yet here I am committed to going in the wave pool with you with a ladybug float, and you're losing your mind over a snow cone at 9, 10 in the morning. Does it get any more real than that? Y'all ever been to a water park at 9, 10? You'll see it. We were there um, over Christmas break in Tennessee. <laughs> if you had a clue, young child, you'd never do it again. That's what you'd like to say to them. And that image is, I think, the perfect image that captures Jonah who's been given so much and wants to do so little and is pitching such a colossal fit because he didn't get it exactly the way he wanted. So you can't just look at kids and figure kids are the ones that do that. My goodness, adults can be just as bad. Adults can pitch total fits. Now, verse 6, um, you see verse 6. Verse 6 is, 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 um, helps, it, it causes me to question whether this is a story of um, uh, truly happened or a, um, you know, a, a story to make a point. And I'm not going to tell you ever, really, what to believe about the Bible because I'm here with you. I wasn't, here, I wasn't there when it was written. I just have guesses based on what I've seen. But this part really makes me think that it, you know, we'll see. But God's capable of anything. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give him shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so it withered and the sun rose and God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die 
than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said. And I'm so angry, and I wish I were dead. You hear him saying it? So the question, um, uh, every time I read this for the next month, the girls are hearing me drop this on them. Is it right for you to be angry? And uh, every time I preach on this, which has been frequently, or, or teach a lesson or whatever, I always break out the King James Version because he says, doest thou well to be angry? And drop that on somebody. <laughs> At the, um, uh, what do you call that thing? Break. What do you, what do you call the uh, break room? I've worked in a church my whole life. And you're in an office, you're in a break room, somebody's having coffee, and they are heated about whatever it is. It's Monday, and they're heated already. Just say, doest thou well to be angry? <laughs> see, see what they, see. Doest thou well to be angry? Drop that on. See what they say. I love that. He is, in that question, asking what he asked um, um, forgive me, the, uh, who, had, who had just the brutal time the entire time in the Old Testament? Job. Where were you when I was forming the planet? Uh, where were you when I was creating all that is? Where were you when I was watching human history play out and being overjoyed and brokenhearted with it? Where were you when I granted free will and see both the great joy and the great pain of it, including your running from my instruction. Where were you? I, I didn't exist yet. Right. How long do you think I've been here? How long do you think I will be here? How much do you think I've seen? How much do you think I can understand? How much do you think I've given? to humanity. Do you think you have a right to be angry at my granting forgiveness is what God is asking Jonah. Verse 10, the Lord said, you've been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left? And also many animals. Done. That's the end of the book. There's, there's no bow. I think that's another fascinating part of it. He says, don't you think, um, since you didn't create the plant that was over your head, nor the humanity that I've forgiven, that maybe you ought to just, you, like you control you. You worry about your actions and your words. So what are we left with here with this movie, or movie, with this uh, book just ending? Like, uh, um, like you'll see a movie where the guy's going up and knocking on the door. You know, the whole, you know, they're in a relationship, and, or, or they weren't. He just liked her, and then their relationship, and then it, was, then it got deep, and then it was rocky, and they broke up, and then, oh, I won't ever get together again. And then the last two minutes, he's knocking on her door, and that's the end of the movie. You're left to speculate what happens from there forward. So what are we left with? Um, open-ended questions. Open-ended brokenness. Unresolved hopes, wishes, and dreams. And the book just ends. 
And so the neat thing I think about that is that there are blank pages left. Okay, so when that part, when the ink stopped and the blank pages started, those blank pages extend to us today. And we're to ask ourselves, what are we to do with the knowledge of God's abundance and grace and mercy? What are we to do with it with our own mind, body, and soul? And what are we to do with it with others and their mind, body, and soul? If we are to witness it, make it part of ourselves, then we're to share it in every way, shape, or form. And when we get angry that other people have rejected us, or we get angry at um, the fact that somebody else might be forgiven, or we get angry that we have failed and we didn't share it like we should have, I encourage you to pray a super angry prayer. Pray it. Communicate. Share what's on your heart and mind that you can know God is listening. Understand the tremendous potential of us all that's in Jonah and understand the crippling humanity of us all that's in Jonah. When you go forward in that knowledge, you can say, Lord, help me today, just today, to offer the grace that you have offered me. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, sometimes we pitch fits. Sometimes we go quiet. Sometimes we isolate ourselves because we don't want to deal with the people that you have asked us to deal with. Give us a percentage of the pursuing love that you have given every single human being that we can be bearers of that love and shares of that love. Amen. Please stand as you're able for our affirmation. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus, the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We are called to be the church to celebrate God's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope in life, in death, in life beyond death. God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. Please be seated. We'll now offer our tithes and other offerings. I have answered prayers I have trouble I wish wasn't there And I have asked a thousand ways That you would take my pain away That you would take my pain away Try and understand how to walk this weary land. Make straight the paths that crooked lie. Oh Lord, before these feet of mine.
and sing with us. I 
that you hold in my hand. The mountains too high and the valleys too wide. Now my knees are learned to stand. Lord, I can't even walk without you holding my hand. I think I'll make Jesus my all in all when I'm in trouble on his name I'll call if I don't trust him I'd be less than a man Lord I can't even walk without you Fifteen years I've never heard anything like y'all. I love y'all. Y'all are awesome. Fantastic. Um, yes. Okay, so um, Jonah's very important to me, and I think it's a fun way to start off, and I think it's important to share. But this month coming in August, I think is the most critical book that you will read. We're going to start picking our scripture based on books, and it's a book called Why by Adam Hamilton. It's this big. It's just, just a little bit bigger than Jonah. And we're going to cover it over the next five weeks. And you talk about the questions people ask of why did I get ill? Why, was, why did I lose my job? Why did my friend who's so good, why did this bad thing happen to them? Why did that hurricane strike New Orleans? These are the questions that we're going to be talking about for the next month. And you need to be here. You need to invite your friends here because those are the questions that they are asking primarily. Why? Uh, by Adam Hamilton. I encourage you to get the book and read it uh, along with us. So, um, if you'll receive the benediction. Go in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and power and presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen.
blessed week.